The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Fighting through podcast episode 39. Feedback from the Stan Perry interview. More great unpublished history. This episode is a special bonus episode just to share with you the feedback I've had from the Stan Perry interview episodes 37 and 38. Also, just to round off the show, there's a quiz at the very end of the episode. Hello again, I'm Paul Chielson of Bill Chiel, whose World War II memoirs have been published by Pen and Sword in Fighting Through from Dunkirk to Hamburg. My dad fought at Dunkirk, North Africa, Sicily, D-Day and Germany. The aim of the Fighting Through podcast is to give you the stories behind the story. You'll hear memoirs and memories of veterans connected to Dad's war in some way and much more. Before we get in too deep with the show, have you come down to earth yet after listening to Captain Stan Perry in the last episode? Judging by the comments I've had, a lot of people enjoyed it. I've got some lovely feedback to share with you about how Stan's episode affected his family who were listening. Here you go. Thank you. It's amazing and something for the family to treasure. Stan Perry and Kathy. That's the man himself and his daughter. And Nicola, Stan's granddaughter, who lives in Australia, said... I've just finished listening to the two episodes of your podcast featuring your interview of my granddad. They were absolutely wonderful. What an amazing memory they'll make to pass down the generations. I just wanted to thank you for what you're doing. I think it's incredible and I'm now hooked. John Dady said... I just wanted to say that the Captain Perry interview was brilliant, just about one of the best things I've heard. He sounds just like my uncles talking about the war, making light out of a horrific situation. Now John also sent me a couple of great army jokes, which I can't use today. I can't, I can't, but, but maybe one day. Oh, go on then, twist my arm. Look, it's a Mickey take about the Americans, but I'm only going to speak it because it gives me an opportunity to negate it. So here goes from John. The tale about the Americans in Stan's interview reminds me of my Uncle Fred telling me about the Americans. He said, when the British fired, the Germans ducked. When the Germans fired, the British ducked. And when the Americans fired, everyone ducked. (laughs) I hope we can all laugh at that because there are certainly enough retorts available to ridicule us Brits and equal and probably more truthful humour. And if you want some examples, tune into episode 33, Women at War, about the Wren working as a signals decoder in Northern Ireland. But better still, take a listen to another episode from the podcast Warriors in Their Own Words, which totally belies any suggestion that the American troops were in any way not up to scratch. You just listen to some of the stories of determination, bravery and hardship that these guys went through. D-Day, the first hours. 
is my latest favourite, interviewing a paratrooper who landed in France on D-Day. Look it up on your usual podcast player and enjoy. So that's Warriors in their own words, and I've put a link in the show notes. While we're on jokes, uh, if anyone's got any uh, any jokes about the Aussies or the Brits or en- anybody really um, that would fit in nicely with the show, please send them in. Could be Mickey taking, could be an army joke, but uh, we'll see if we can make an occasional feature of it. And while we're on jokes, there's there's one I always chuckle at about Winston Churchill because there's uh, so many Churchillisms going around in the history books. But one of the famous ones is where uh, Churchill's had a few too many drinks with some well-to-do lady, and she says she says to him, uh, "Winston, you're drunk." And Winston says, yes, Lady Astor, and you're ugly, but the difference between us is that tomorrow I shall be sober. (laughs) There you go. Have that one for starters. Right, carry on. Back to Stan. Danny Fontenot on Facebook said, I listened to parts one and two of Stan Perry yesterday, and I'm planning a repeat of both today. This is one for the ages. Absolute classic. Carl McDermott wrote, Hi Paul, I just thought I'd write a wee note regarding your great interview with Captain Perry that I'm listening to at the moment. I research and archive for the regiment, so I'm specially delighted to spend my Sunday afternoon listening. Thankfully, contrary to Stan's suggestion, there are a few more than just five Sherwood Rangers left. Stan is not the last officer. There's a major... He's Major Doug Nelson, who's now 98, and there's also a couple of lads who served in Stan's squadron. My grandfather was Sherwood Rangers Yeomanry also, but unfortunately didn't make it through alive. Major Nelson was actually the first British soldier to enter Germany in September 44, east of Nijmegen in a Sherwood Rangers recce tank. He's deaf and his memory is all but gone, but I keep in touch with his son. There's also trooper Roy Harewood, who lives on the Isle of Wight. Roy lost his legs in Normandy during the Fontenay battle, but managed to cycle to work for 30 years after the war. Trooper Graham Stevenson lives in Walsall and is a great friend of Carl Koenig, who Stan mentions. Carl served with 21 Panzer Division and fought the Sherwood Rangers at Tobago Gap. He was taken prisoner by the Americans and years later sought out the regiment he'd been fighting against. Carl still gets about, but Graham is confined to his home now. Great guys. Trooper Stevenson missed D-Day, as he was under a charge for telling a corporal to F off. He also served in the desert, but was wounded later in Normandy. Trooper Len Bedor, who was with the 24th Lancers, they disbanded in Normandy, and 28 of them joined the Sherwood Rangers. Len was in C Squadron and was a crack gunner. He ended up test-firing German tanks after the war. And then there's Arthur Hinnett, who's probably the longest-serving Sherwood Ranger of all. He joined in 1936, aged 13, from Nottinghamshire. His brother also served. Arthur was Stuart Hill's driver for a lot of time in northwest Europe. Stan mentions Stuart in your interview. It's incredible, as I'm still listening to your interview, and he's mentioning all these chaps that are so familiar to me. Guy Sanders, Corporal Brooks, David Render, 
I've got photographs of all these men on my Facebook page. And listener, there's a link to Carl's Sherwood Rangers Facebook page in the show notes. I've got some more general feedback coming up shortly about the show. But uh, first of all, I've got a final bit of feedback on the uh, Stan Perry interview from uh, listener Root Shermer. Hello to you, Root. And Root said, uh, I've just listened to the first 17 minutes of part two of uh, Stan Perry's interview. And the captain mentions the recce squadron of the Sherwood Rangers were the first British unit to cross the German border on the 21st of September in Beek as part of Market Garden. Beek is close to Nijmegen and the day before it was defended by the 82nd US Airborne Division. It was attacked by Germans and the village changed hands three times and it was the scene of vicious close combat fighting. General Gavin arranged for the recce squadron to assist. At the time, Beek was located bang on the uh, Netherlands-German border so when they pushed the Germans back, they crossed the border. The action was replayed at the request of war correspondents a couple of days later using the actual participants. And you can find this scene on YouTube and it includes the handshake of the commanding officer of the recce squadron with the US trooper which the captain mentioned. So I've put the link to that YouTube video in the show notes. Thank you again, Root. How good is that? And finally, I can't think of a better way to sum up everyone's feelings for Stan than in what Johanna Jung from Sweden has said. Please tell Stan Perry that he's really a wise, humble and amazing man. It would be so amazing to meet him that I don't think that will happen. But I hope he will live a few more happy and healthy years. Johanna, thank you so much for that lovely comment. And for anyone who missed it, Stan's interview is episodes 36 to 37 of the Fighting Through podcast. Now, uh, I'd like to say thank you to the following people for kind comments on the show in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Um, There's Blizzard and Chris6207, both from the USA, Bill James from the USA, Mark Whitaker from the UK, Tom Benjamin, Facebook, Chris Ferguson from Memphis, Tennessee. And he says, thanks so much for the wonderful podcasts. I'm completely hooked. I've made it through almost all the episodes in the last two weeks. I actually look forward to my daily drive now. And uh, Chris included a photo of his dad, Sam Ferguson, who passed away last year. He joined the US Navy at 17 and served aboard the US destroyer escort Evarts on several North Atlantic convoys to the Med in 1944-45. And what a great photo to treasure, Chris. He looks like he's straight out of the movie South Pacific in his white sailor's uniform with his dapper hat and neckerchief. I'm posting it up in the show notes for all to see. It's quiz time, folks. Um... I've got a final PS coming at the very end of the show, but right now I'm going to ask you the quiz questions and then I'm going to repeat them with the answers. So if you're just driving along or whatever, you don't need a pen or anything. This is just for a bit of fun. Um, So here we go. This is to test your knowledge or to see if you've been listening to the show properly in the past. What is an 18 set? What does NAFI stand for?
What is aminol? What is the PBI? What is a ground pounder? What's a shifty kite? What does it mean if you do a duffy? What's a cushy one? What's a blighty one? What are the hards? What is bully? What might be you? What might you be doing if you're having tiffin? What's a fizzer? And then one final one, which I'm not going to give you the answer to because uh, it's in a forthcoming show. But just to keep your mind active in the meantime, what is a fourpenny one? You might be able to have a guess at that one. I don't know what the American equivalent would be, but uh, have a bash. Now, here's the questions again, followed by the answers. What's an 18 set? Well, it's a radio receiver transmitter used uh, all over the place by uh, none other than the late Wilf Shaw and many other radio operators. NAFI stands for N-A-A-F-I, or the Navy, Army and Air Force Institutes. It's an organisation that uh, ran recreational establishments needed by the forces in uh, the war and beyond. And uh, in war-torn France, it probably just meant a tuck shop. Right. Aminal. Tins of aminal were... Ammonium nitrate mixed with aluminium powder, so it was explosives. And on exploding, to quote um, Royal Engineer Mike Moss, uh, it would it would crack off an enormous triangular chunk of earth, which would drop into the ditch and fill it. And if you want to read the detail of that great story, catch up on episode two. PBI stood for Poor Bloody Infantry. A ground pounder was no less than Poor Bloody Infantry. Shifty Kite was a reconnaissance plane. To do a duffy was to make a cock-up. A cushy one was a minor wound necessitating some time away from the front line. So you'd just go behind lines and get repaired you'd be back on the front again before you knew what had happened a blighty one was a wound serious enough to require the recipient to be sent home to blighty or to england the hards were well in may 1942 uh, mount batten ordered the construction of 11 purpose-built areas of hard standing or hards to serve landing craft and ships that would support commando operations on the European coast, and uh, particularly they were used as part of the D-Day operation, and they were all constructed in the Portsmouth area. Bully was, of course, bully beef or corned beef, a staple of the British troops, and uh, see Wilf Shaw's podcasts to appreciate the finer dietary niceties of bully. Tiffin was uh, usually a, a light midday meal or lunch, and uh, Bill Cheel was hit by shra- shell shrapnel whilst having tiffin, and he got a blighty one. 
A fizzer is a charge for being improperly dressed. And as I say, a fourpenny one is something you're going to have to wait for. If you got all the answers right, then uh, congratulations, well done. You're uh, promoted to general instantly. And uh, if you didn't get them all right, well, you're going to have to try harder and listen to more of my podcasts. Here's the PS. I think most of you would like to have shared a glass of Stan's favourite tipple, single malt, after listening to the multiple mentions of it during his interview. Well, I'm pleased to say you'll now be able to in a virtual sense, because after my visit, I sent Stan a bottle of Highland Park to enjoy. So well deserved, methinks. Cheers, Stan, and once again, thank you so much for the time you gave me. It's clear that a lot of people have thoroughly enjoyed listening to you, and just for the record, so far, there's been over 3,000 listens to your interview. Think of how many lecture halls that would fill. Bye-bye, everybody. See you next year.